Good morning. It's great to see all of you today. Hey, I just want to wish every one of you a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. This is a great time for all of us. I'm absolutely loving it. I just, I got to do this just because um, a great amount of work went into it. Uh, anybody notice anything different today about anything today? Yeah, anybody notice anything different? You want your work appreciated once in a while, and I want to do this for Ricky. Um, most of you are like, yeah, the Christmas trees are awesome. You got snow on the stage. The mu- music sounded a little bit better or whatever it is. No, what is different is right in front of your face, those three screens that are up there are totally three different screens. They are no longer a 4-3 ratio aspect. They are now 16-9. That means absolutely nothing to most of you. They're no longer XGA. They are now high def. Some of our computer people will understand that this is a total upgrade. All that stuff, we've had that stuff for 15 years. It was all failing and it was breaking and the replacement parts were no longer being made. So in one week, we totally went from, you know, VGA to CAT6 to uh, these three different screens. So if we could give it up for Ricky, and I, I, uh, yeah, yeah, like anybody notice a giant truss over your heads right there? Well, I'm here to tell you, we had those put in with an engineer's approval. Most of the time around here at Crosstown, we don't even talk to engineers. We just do stuff. It's the other ones you need to be worried about. But that thing up there, it's so, uh, it, w- it was really good. And the fact that it's all working today is absolutely astounding. If you've ever been a project manager, you know that that's a really big thing to pull off. And, and I appreciate his hard work on that. So we're talking about something new. Um, and we, we started doing that, talking about something new, something better. Uh, we're, we're always barraged with new philosophies, new ideas, new products, um, new individuals that are coming into our lives, new diet programs. I just saw a new diet program just kind of downloaded, and um, it's some mineral that if you take this mineral for a month, you can lose 50 pounds. I mean, and the crazy thing is selling like hotcakes because everybody thinks something new is going to work, and uh, so, I, I, but I think we're all that way. Um, I can't seem to keep a car for longer than six months. I mean, I, they're, they're always used, or most of the time they're used, but I'm just kind of like, I like swapping things out. And then when I get a perfectly good car, I got to take the suspension system off and put a lift kit on it. I'm the only person in Charleston that probably put a two-inch lift kit on a Subaru Outback. Now, interestingly enough, you can buy the Subaru Outback with a lift kit already built on it coming from the factory. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good information right there. Uh, it's called the, uh, the Outback Wilderness. If you want to get them, I'd get no cut off the sale of these vehicles. Uh, it's just, I'm always in, I like, I like new stuff. And this, I don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong. Um, but the problem is, is when we start switching out houses, cars, jobs, churches, spouses, people in our life because we think if we brought somebody new into our life or something different in our life that it's going to make it all better. But something new does not always mean something better. So we started looking at the Christmas story and how God, through the life of Christ, is presenting us something that really is something better. I mean, this is not just a new upgrade on your iPhone. This is not just a a better camera. This is something that is substantially different. And we started to learn how it fundamentally changes our expectation of life. It uh, changes how we interact with one another. 
when you enter into a relationship with Christ. It heals how you think about yourself. That's a big thing. Because I think we, we spend most of our money, I don't know about you, but we spend most of our money on stuff that will make me think differently about myself. You know, it's like, uh, I, this is my first time I've worn this sweater. Um, I got a two for one sale on Amazon, you know, uh, and I, you know, I look in the mirror and I, I didn't, I'm like, it makes me look too husky. You know, it's like, husky? My wife was like, what is wrong with you? I was like, yeah, look at, I got these skinny legs and I got this big old puffy thing on it. I look too husky. And uh, she goes, I like my men to be husky. And I'm like, well, and I'm like, I'm concerned you said men. I, you know, I, I, so I, we do all this stuff in our heads. Why? We want something new so that it will change how we think about ourselves. It's a big deal. Um, Jesus seems to correct what we think about God, and we'll get into that a lot today. And it restores meaning into the universe and, and what can seem like a normal life that everybody lives and then dies. It seems to restore some sort of meaning to it. So the Christmas story is full of people who are going to experience this something better in their lives. Mary and Joseph did. They were going about their business and they opened themselves up. They had to decide that they wanted the something better that God was offering in their lives. And that's a big deal. We got to decide that we want what he is offering us instead of what we like about what he's offering us. And that's a really big issue because we only want God as long as we like what God is offering. But Mary and Joseph had decided, listen, we, we like what you're offering, even if we don't like it. I mean, we want that. Whatever you're offering, we'll do that. And God takes them in on this incredible journey. But they had to be willing to uh, be uh, kind of not settling for the same old, same old in their lives. So in Christmas, Christ shows us that there is something better. So now we're going to talk about the Magi. The, um, the expectation of the Magi of something better was palpable. I mean, they kind of show up on the scene. We don't, we don't even know how to explain them. From I mean, We understand that in the East, there were Magi, there were these astrologers. We, we, don't, even know how to, we don't even know how to figure out how to... How do we put astrologers in the middle of the Christmas story, you know? I mean, it's kind of like, isn't that not what we believe in? It's like, but all of a sudden we have these wise men, uh, probably uh, ancient uh, astronomers as much as astrologers. They are, um, they, they, they read over text, uh, ancient text to try to figure out things or in the future and all. And, and there may be actually some God element working in them. But so all of a sudden they are thrust into the story, and they come with loaded with expectation that something better is happening. You're familiar with the story. And for them, it was no small thing. I mean, they show up, and they almost, they show up asking a question, where is the king? Uh, they, they show up as if everybody else has an expectation. Everybody else is looking for something better but they come upon a crowd that is not looking for something better. They, they just want to maintain the status quo. And sometimes when somebody shows up with something better, don't you get a little like me with the minerals, you know? It's kind of like, yeah, that ain't going to work. Well, that's exactly the situation that the wise men find themselves in. Let me read you this very familiar story. 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So they're like, what are you guys doing? Something better just happened and you guys aren't into this something better. They're, they're kind of surprised about this. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Isn't that interesting? The person who should be expecting something better is inquiring of them about where this something better is happening. He's supposed to be the person that is teaching people about something better, but he's, he, he's got to get information from them. And the Magi said to him, um, oh, I'm sorry. And gathering people uh, together, the chief priests and the scribes and the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And when Herod, then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he said to them, I sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, the Magi went their way and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over a place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. And then offering their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. See, something for the people of, uh, of Jerusalem and for Israel and for Herod, something was inflating right in front of them. Um, something better was like all of a sudden inflating right in front of them with the help of the Magi. And for some various reasons, and we could, we could guess out of our own lives, uh, the people weren't responding well to this. When Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. So all of a sudden, the Magi delivered this information and this something better, and it inflates in front of them, and they are bothered by this. And so I, I was trying to think about why would you be bothered by this? And I think it's because what happened was this meta-narrative inflated right in front of them. They were going about their lives, their normal lives like you and I, and all of a sudden this, these wise men come and they kind of set up their table, you know, like at a, one of those uh, you know, things that you go do for job searches and all that. And, and all of a sudden they set it up and it went poof, 
right in front of everybody. And everybody was just kind of like, whoa. I mean, it, there's this theory about the creation of the universe. I mean, Big Bang is probably correct. Uh, the idea that there was a Big Bang, we call it uh, the creation moment. It works great with Christianity. There's another theory called inflation theory, is that after the Big Bang, there was this rapid inflation of the universe, that within a split second, the universe expands to about three quarters of its size right now. I mean, so it just goes big bang and then push. Well, I kind of feel like this narrative that the Magi are presenting is like inflationary theory. It's like they all of a sudden show up and they say, where's the king? And then they begin to talk and this idea just goes push right in front of Herod and in front of the people of Israel. Um, It's kind of like when you hear a loud noise all of a sudden. And what is a loud noise? Loud noise is is a a sound, a sound wave that was produced rapidly with volume that all of a sudden hits your ears. It, 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 It has this inflationary effect. And then all of a sudden, you, you, you're, you're startled by this sudden noise, as opposed to if I whispered into it and then gradually increased it, you would be more okay with me talking louder like that. But all of a sudden, hey, you know, I mean, even then, you knew I was even going to do it. And it still kind of got you because the inflationary effect that it has on you. And so this is what I think is happening to this group of people. Uh, and for some, it was a threat to their status quo. It's like, wait a minute, you're blowing something up here in front of us. You're inflating something here in front of us, a new story that we, uh, that could affect me negatively. I experienced this, uh, something like this with my granddaughter, Ireland, uh, a couple days ago. Uh, it was a really precious moment. I have a lot of blow, blown up snowmen in my backyard. I have a lot of blown up trees and snowmen and lights. It takes me about three weeks to get my backyard decorated. Now, I get Jesus in the front. Remember, we put this manger in the front and all that. It's a nice, simple presentation in the front, Jesus in the front, and party in the back. You guys know all about that, okay? <laughs> You've heard that before, maybe in a different context, but that's how it rolls at the Rianzo house. So I have a lot of so many. Well, what we, um, Ireland and likes to just come out of, comes out of her car, and she runs to me, and then be like, Papa, let's, let's go around the yard and let's say hi to the snowman. So we do it all the time. And, um, but one morning, she was there, and I had not inflated the snowman yet. I have a whole breaker, uh, you know, 12-amp breaker just dedicated to snowman. So uh, I asked uh, Susan to turn on the breaker when me and Ireland get down there. So we were standing in front of this snowman, and it, they're pretty large. They get to about 12 feet high. And this one, you'll see, it's kind of like got a big head and everything. It's, uh, so we were standing there. So Susan, I mean, Ireland loves the snowman. But it didn't play out that way this morning. Um, so first of all, it started with, with this. The snowman is deflated. So I've got, I've got Ireland standing next to me, and there's our deflated snowman. And... Uh, She'll be doing something like, oh, Papa, look at the snowman. <laughs> it, it's a good snowman. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a little nervous laugh, like, I don't know what it's doing. You know, it's, you know, but I, it's a little bit nervous. And then she, then we start inflating it. 
and she notices that it has this big eye. And she's standing right next to me, and she's like, Papa, it's got a big eye. And, and then she all of a sudden gets like real close to me, pressed up against me, and she's like, Papa, it's staring at me. It's staring at me. And, and, and uh, I'm like, this is like out of a Jordan Peele movie. or I mean, it's just like oh, the big giant eye. And, and the next thing I notice, she's running as fast as she can away from the snowman. So, um, uh, so I, I, I run after her and I grab her and I pick her up and I bring her back to the snowman. And, and then we, the snowman's inflating and then we, it's got a scrunched nose. And so she's like, what's wrong with it, Papa? What, what's wrong with the snowman? And, and uh, but the thing keeps inflating. And so finally the nose all of a sudden goes boing and, and, and just kind of sticks out there. And it's like, um, I, I kind of got her nervous. Like, you know, like it was gonna hurt her or something. And, um, but then as the, the thing keeps inflating, inflating, she sees the smile. And then she's like with me and, and she's like, Papa, it's smiling at me. He's smiling at me, Papa. And then we finally end up with it fully inflated. She's in my arms. And then she says, oh, Papa, he's my friend. And it was like, uh, yes, I love the snowman, Papa. And, and so we end up with that. Well, that snowman was always that. But it required inflation. And any time during the inflated process, to Ireland, it was scary or unrecognizable or looked kind of weird. It took it to be fully inflated before she finally kind of warmed up to it and then finally said, oh, he's my friend. See, the Magi show up and they start inflating. They say, where is the king? And as soon as everybody hears king, Herod goes crazy. He starts running across the backyard because, wait a minute, I'm king. I'm gonna lose my job. I'm gonna lose my position. I'm gonna lose the palace. And so he hears this initial message and he's immediately beginning to get terrified of it. The people hear ruler and they start getting nervous about it. See, they're not waiting for the whole thing to kind of like inform in front of them. They're not listening to everything that the Magi are saying. And for some reason, they, they didn't wait for the whole idea to inflate in front of them. Well, what was the idea that they presented? The, the Magi said that we would, uh, where is the king? And they, they talked about him being God, that we may worship him. And so maybe that's an idea when you think about God, you kind of like, well, why do I have to worship anybody? You know, you hear worship as a 21st century American that God wants you to worship him. Immediately, I, most of us, if we're honest, we're like, what kind of needy God is this that he needs to be worshiped? You know, you start thinking about, it's like, wait a minute. What, what? And then um, you hear king, you know, it's like, okay, so we're just swapping kings here. That's it. So I now I got something else here. And, and for some of us, that would cause us some pause. Um, but then the word Messiah begins to emerge. This is this deliverer idea. The idea of ruler is communicated, but then the word shepherd is put there. And, it, and, it's, and it's sort of funny. It, I, I just by chance, it, it ended up looking like the shape of a snowman when I, when I stacked all the words together. 
But it was this idea, though, that the more you let it inflate, it's like, oh, I like the snowman. It's like, it's not scary. It's not something I need to be running away from. I mean, the Magi use a phrase, he will be a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Just look at that one phrase, ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Just let that inflate in you, right? I mean, right here. Just let that concept of God just kind of like begin to fill you. It's an interesting concept because they're not usually combined. Where else have you read of a ruler who will shepherd? I mean, when we think of ruler, we think of authoritarian, we think of control, we think of them having their own separate will and that we're all part of the serfdom of life that is supposed to serve the king and the ruler of our district. But this is a ruler who will shepherd his people. It's like, why would you run away from that? I mean, something's gonna rule over your life, your genetics, your family history, you know, your boss, your failures. I mean, there's a, there's a plethora of rulers out there that will fill in the gap, but they are being presented with the Magi with this idea that a ruler who will shepherd your people because Herod's not shepherding. But these people don't stay long enough to hear it. They're running because they got scared of the eye of the snowman. See, most of us just see the scary eye and start running. We hear uninflated concepts of God and get nervous. All right? I mean, we do. We get that. I kind of made it look as crazy as possible. But it's like we, get, we, get, we hear things. Like, for instance, you hear a pastor talk about hell. Okay? Well, let me just tell you, if anybody's talking to you about hell and does not, and you don't stay long enough for the whole snowman to be inflated, you should run. That's scary stuff. Uh, you know, maybe you've had a church experience where, uh, I don't know, the pastor was whacked or, and it happens. I've been whacked once or twice in my life. But, you know, maybe the, your church experience wasn't good and, and you went running scary. But if you let the whole idea inflate a little bit more, it's not, as, it's not as scary as you may think. You know, we talk about repenting. We talk about sin. And they are real things. But let it inflate. Why does he want us to repent? What, what is the issue with sin? What is the solution with sin? Well, if you'll stay long enough and not get offended in our modern sensibilities and run out the door because we just heard one thing. Oh, it's God the Father. I want him to be God the parent or God the mother. Why does he have to be a father? And all of a sudden, we're running for the door. It's like, wait a minute. This is a different kind of father. And if you allow the whole concept to inflate, you might not find out that, I mean, you may find out that, hey, I like this snowman. I like this God. 
I like the one that is inviting me to have relationship with him. See, God wants to add something better to our lives. He wants to unfold goodness in us. He wants to inflate us with hope. Here's another place where this, just in case you think, well, he's really kind of gone off the rails with the snowman illustration, and he's really stretching here. Well, um, I'm really stretching here. Get it? Inflation. Uh, okay. Um, here, <laughs> I love humor. Um, here is another place when an author inflates an idea about God like a snowman. Very familiar. Isaiah 9, 6. For, un, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. The government will rest upon his shoulders. See, all of a sudden, it's starting to kind of... And it's beginning to inflate. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Why would you run away from that? Oh, I understand you heard the word government. I heard that you might have even heard the phrase mighty God, and that kind of like got you a little, you know, scary. But what did Prince of Peace do with you? Why didn't you let that inflate inside of you? When you read the book of Ephesians, Paul starts off his letter to most of his uh, uh, churches that he's writing to you. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's serious, it's kind of like, yeah, you know. I mean, seriously, it's what it's like. It's like wait, it inflates. But for a lot of us, we have had these decontextualized concepts of God thrown up. Well, if God was a loving God, then why did He do this? And if God is that, it's, 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 my, a, a loving God wouldn't make a place to send people to hell forever. Because first of all, that's not the concept. And then second of all, you got to let the whole thing pack because he doesn't like hell. And therefore, he jumps in the front of hell and says, come unto me, all you are heavy laden, and I will give you a better rest. But we don't wait long enough for it to inflate because we're so angry about our civil liberties. You know? It's like, you may ask me to give up something. Yeah. But if you let the whole thing inflate in you, you'll find out it's this... And, and I love, I, the one phrase that comes out of that whole group there that really inflates is this idea of eternal father, everlasting father. The ideal image of a father is one who shows compassion and love for his children. Why wouldn't you want that? I mean, I, I'll tell you why you might not want it. It's because you've had experiences with fathers that were negative, totally get it. Whether Catholic priest fathers like my past or your birth father or your absent father, I, I get it. But don't let that keep God from inflating something beautiful within every one of us. For a ruler to show compassion to his people in darkness should have given hope to Israel. The idea that this ruler would be a father and that this would be a never-ending father, is that that's an incredible concept. This is the belonging that we all long for. 
if we let it inflate. Because I believe our souls crave for things like origin, belonging, and perpetuity. I smile at the last word because I had never used it in a sermon before, and I'm always trying to stretch myself to use words I don't normally use, so I, I picked that one, but it doesn't really fit, does it? I mean, it's, it's, it's not soft enough. It's like a hard puh, puh, when you got the O and the B, and it's like puh. It's, <laughs> I know, folks, you're like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> I think a lot about this stuff. I let it inflate in me, and what every one of us wants, I've been a human long enough, we want origin, where did I come from? We want belonging. Whose am I? Where do I fit? And we want perpetuity. We want to last forever. I mean, these are the three psychological drives of humanity here. This idea of origin and belonging and how do I perpetuate my belonging or my, my life? And in Christ, we have these things inflated within us that I become a child of the living God. I belong. I am his beloved. And that I will be with him forever and, and I will continue. Why would we run away from this? But you gotta let it inflate. You gotta let it inflate in your life. It can scare you if you talk about Jesus as, and, and, and this is in the Bible, and this is true. But, you know, it's like, um, you got to confess your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's like, okay. Um, you got another way that you could sell this to me? Because that was like, that was a little scary. Um, Paul communicates that in the book of Romans because he wants them to be very clear about what their common ground is. And it is very true and necessary. And the idea of having a Lord or a God or a King to us as Americans is very scary. Unless you let it inflate in you. What if I told you that this King and this ruler wanted to shepherd you? Wanted to be an eternal father of compassion to you? That he wanted to give you origin, belonging, and that your life would go on forever. Okay, now talk to me about this Lord and confession thing again. Because now that you've inflated the whole thing, I think I like the snowman. I love the snowman. See, for a lot of us, we haven't allowed this inflation to complete its work inside of us. John the Apostle said it this way, or he inflated it this way. He used light analogy instead of air, but it's still inflation. There was the true light which come into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, all of a sudden we plug in the snowman to as many as receive him, he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's like, wow. 
you let this thing blow up inside of you, it is amazing what God is offering us. He is offering us something better. For me, what is the something better? For me, Jesus connects my life, earth life, and heaven life all together. I look at flowers different. I look at adversities different. I look at you different. I look at me different. Even if I look a little too husky in this sweater. But it connects everything together. My life. What's going on the earth? Good and bad. And heaven life. And it makes a connection of all of it. A connection that you and I will not get from something better that is being offered from our politics, from Amazon.com, or from a face cream, or a new house, or a new spouse. It won't do it. Jesus connects me to all that, connects all these things together. That is something better. Jesus gives me origin, belonging, and perpetuity. I'm gonna last forever. In a state of knowing where I come from, I come from God, belonging to a compassionate, loving father, surrounded by a group of people who are just thriving in belonging, and I get to be a part of that forever. Does, is anybody getting any better offers on planet Earth? Do you get this from the bottom of a bottle? I know some of you like bourbon. You don't find this in bourbon. Ladies, you're not gonna find this in a man. And men, you're not gonna find this in a woman. You don't have to be married to find this. You don't have to have children to find this. You don't have to be white to find this. You don't have to be black to find this. Yeah, I mean, all of that, that we, we strive to try to rise up, we try to inflate ourselves up into something and it's, it just never happens. The plug always gets pulled. Somebody else gets elected and our snowman starts to, you know, we lose a loved one and all of a sudden it begins to deflate. We lose our job, we get old and it starts to, you know? Like I've said, I've thought about this a lot because I have tried a lot of ways to inflate myself. I really have. And uh, you need to tell your husband to stop snickering over there. He thinks that's funny. I, I thought I'd think that's... But seriously, we, all, we have all... I thought the same thing. I, we've, all, we've all tried to make our lives meaningful, haven't we? And God's like, no, there's only one way. For unto you is born this day in the city of Bethlehem a savior, a ruler who will shepherd his people, an eternal, everlasting father. Is there a hell? Probably so. Are there sins? Yes, there are. Are there failures and mistakes? Yes, they are. Is there repentance? Yes, there is. Is there a Lord and a knee that should bow? Yes, there is. But let it all inflate because you're gonna find out that the one that we worship cherishes and loves you so much 
that it will inflate your life beyond anything else could possibly do. Father God, as we thank you for your love, and we thank you for all your mercy and kindness that you've given us, we enter into this moment and we stop running. We stop running because of words like sin. We stop running because somebody scared us with the concept of hell. We stop running because we experienced a bad church or a bad pastor. We stop running because we have failed or we don't like ourselves. We stop running because words like worship and lordship and king are being used. But today as we come for communion, as that bread and that cup are in our hand, they are the inflation of the story of God that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that we could escape our own demise so that we could experience belonging and origin and that our lives could go on forever that we could have an ever lasting, compassionate, peaceful, loving Prince and Father. So whatever your objections are here today to God, let the idea of God fill up all the way. Yes, I know that he, he allows some suffering to happen on this planet. And yes, I know that he might have allowed a loved one to leave you in one way or the other. But let it all inflate as Jesus stands outside an empty tomb and declares to the world, I am the resurrection and the life. Let it all inflate because God loves you so very, very much. And I believe that if you allow him to inflate in your life this Christmas season, that you will say, I love God. I really love God. He likes me. I'm not going to run anymore. I invite you to come and receive the inflation of God through the body and blood of Jesus.